0: what's going on guys this is zoom disputed football here i've Evan, coming at you guys with a little bit of talk about the nfl landscape coming into week six i do want to point out i am recording this uh, on a tuesday which is a little bit before the Titans Bills game, so we're not going to have anything from that. But we're just going to talk about some of the big stories in the NFL through this past week. Uh, first off, Week Five got kicked off with the Bears beating the Buccaneers, and the reason why we did want to talk about this game is because I feel like this game perfectly illustrates who the 2020 Chicago Bears are. With their team, they have a good enough defense to keep them in pr- a game against just about anyone, but a bad enough offense that they will keep pretty much any opponent in the game with them. And what I mean by that is, you look at the Bears; they're four and one. They could very easily be one and four, zero and five. They kind of rely on winning these nail biters because they don't have an offense that is capable of blowing many teams out and they've so far they've been able to win the close games any game that's really been in their grasp they've managed to win they probably should have lost the lions game we're trailing for most of the game they probably should have lost the falcons game we're trailing for nearly the entire game but they've found ways to win and i think that's valuable but i do think there is definitely there are definitely some limitations with this team just because of their offense and especially because. Two of the biggest problems I see with that offense, I don't really see changing. I don't really feel good about their quarterback position or their head coach, and more specifically who that head coach is as a play caller. I think you have to be honest with evaluating Nick Foles, and he's in his ninth year. Through So as we're in eight-plus seasons, we can see that he's had one really good regular season and two really good playoff games. Other than that, the rest of his career would suggest he's a below-average quarterback. And I don't think it's fair to hold this guy to the standard that he's going to be who he's been for a very small portion of his career and hope he becomes that. Guy in Chicago, and I do think they have it. Like I said, they have a good enough defense that it will keep them in most games. And I don't think Nick Foles is a completely incapable quarterback, but I just don't see this being a team that can do much more than maybe make the playoffs, potentially win a game. But I don't see them as really threats right now in the NFC. Uh, the probably the biggest story from this week is the injury to Dak Prescott, and it's just it's just really a tough thing to watch. Really gruesome injury, and you just got to really feel for the guy. And that's the whole danger of playing under the franchise tag. I know a lot of fans give. Guys grief because they'll sit out practices and hold out because they want when they're on a franchise tag. And that's exactly why you do it because you like having that insurance there in place. No one plans on getting injured. Dak has never missed a game in his career. Hasn't been injured yet in his NFL career. But it's things like that where you can't prepare for that. That's a completely freak injury. And you just got to feel, especially because of how well Dak was playing this year, not saying if he wasn't playing well, it would make it a a better situation. But I just think you throw that into the, the fact that he was probably going to get the extension he was looking for based off of how he was playing. And so there's a lot on the line for Dak there. I don't know if it does affect the Cowboys as much just because they could still win the East because the East is a complete train wreck. And even it, even if they do win the East, which I would have said the same thing with Dak as quarterback, they're just not their defense is not going to be good enough for them to go very far. And they maybe could win a playoff game or so, but just, there are too many holes in that roster. I don't think Mike McCarthy is a great head coach. I and I wasn't mad at firing Jason Garrett, but it was more so frustrating that you fire Jason Garrett and replace him with a guy like Mike McCarthy, who has very similar limitations as a coach. And so, I, going forward with this team, the defense is still a mess. The offense has some talent, but the offensive line is not as good, so Zeke isn't going to be as effective. Andy Dalton's a quality backup, uh, and like, and I don't think you need high level quarterback play to win this anyway, but. I think the real thing you worry about is a guy like Dak, especially because the Cowboys cannot get, I don't think the Cowboys can give him the extension until they see him play again. This it shouldn't be a career threatening injury, but you just don't know. And so you have to wait. You have to, you have, I don't think you can possibly pay the guy as much money as he wants without seeing him throw again. So there's going to be a lot that goes on there. Definitely won't be back for this season. Could be an opening day starter next year though. Sunday night football big story with ended up being a great game between the Vikings and the Seahawks but the main story is Vikings went for it on fourth and one less than two minutes to go they were up five they could have taken the field goal and gone up eight or they could have gone for it they went for it on fourth and one didn't get it Seahawks went down the field and scored I don't really have too much of a problem with this and for the most most part Mike Zimmer hasn't really caught too much heat for this decision which I think is good because I think we tend to I I think we hindsight really sometimes alters our perception of things because you know, you change how you coach when you're going up against greatness, and specifically at the quarterback position. Russell Wilson, that's greatness right there. And I think. The Vikings call, you know, as Mike Zimmer, you have to understand that and you have to call the game a little bit differently, knowing who the Seahawks have on their sideline. And there are really two schools of thought to this, knowing you're playing a guy like Russell Wilson on the fourth and one. One school of thought is you go for it because you don't want to give Russell Wilson a chance. You know, he's great. Don't give him a chance to be great. Get the first down, win the game. Wilson doesn't have a chance. The other school of thought is when you're playing a guy as good as Russell Wilson, you take your points when they're there, because if you don't, he can make you pay, which ended up, which ended up being what happened. But I still stand by, I still think it was a smart decision just because it's a fourth and one. If it's fourth and seven, I kind of get it. You know, why there, Why you probably don't go for it, but it's fourth and one. And so in general, the odds are on fourth and one that you convert, but you also put into play how well the Vikings have been running the ball that game and the Seahawks defense isn't that great. Also they're on the road, but there aren't fans. I think the 12th man does really make a difference. I don't think, I think that's a huge difference, not having those fans there. And so you have three additional factors that work in your favor, even more than a normal play when I think you go for it anyway. So it didn't work out. I think just like how I think you can make a bad play call and it can still work out. You can get lucky. I think you can make the right play call and you can still get unlucky and have it not work out. So I don't feel like that necessarily was a bad call. And the Vikings, I think you have to play it a little bit aggressive. And Mike Zimmer's Mike Zimmer's concern was he didn't want to give Russell Wilson the ball because he was worried he was going to go down the field and score. And that's exactly what Russell Wilson did. I know he didn't get the two point conversion, which is what he would have needed if they kicked the field goal. But his whole point was he didn't know if his defense could stop Russell Wilson and they didn't. So the Vikings are one in four. It's kind of frustrating because that is a very talented roster, but with where the Bears are, where the Packers are, they're, they're fighting for a wild card spot anyway. And I, I don't think this team, I still think it's a talented roster, but based off of how they started, and they still have some difficult games coming up. So I don't know if this can be a playoff team. Kirk Cousins on the last year of his contract. Like I said, there's a lot of talent there, but things may just not fall into place for them this year. Then another, this dates a little bit more back to around a week ago, but it is still important to bring up the firing of Bill O'Brien for the Texans. Romeo Cornell won his first game as the interim head coach for the Texans this past week, but he's not going to be the long-term guy there. And the Texans are kind of a team that, I think it's kind of an interesting one to look at because they're a team that is in need of a rebuild, but they don't have a clear path to rebuild because the main ways you rebuild in the NFL are through the draft and through free agency. And the Texans don't have as much draft capital as most teams because of some of the trades below Brian maneuvered. And they don't have as much cap space because of how much they're paying Watson and paying some other guys on that team a lot as well. They don't really have the ability to rebuild the way other teams do. And that's one, I think that's why it's going to be interesting to see who takes that job because I don't think coaches of GMs are opposed to rebuild, but I think this is a little bit more of a complicated one. And this probably isn't going to happen. Uh, I feel pretty confident that this won't happen, but I don't think it's the worst move in the world to trade Deshaun Watson because you have a win now quarterback and you don't have a win now team. And it's not just one or two guys because of all the holes on the Texans as a team right now, where all the areas where they're not great, I don't see, I don't think you can just draft a guy or just sign a guy and they're back to contenders. I think there's several good moves and good picks away from being a contending team. And I don't see that happening for the next few years. You have Deshaun on a five-year deal. And so you have him for the next, I don't know if he's going to be if he's going to be able to play for a good contending team, at least for a couple of years, and who knows, because rebuilds can take a long time. They're not overnight. And understand the Texans were a team that was just in the playoffs. They were just in the playoffs a year ago and won a game in the playoffs. But with some of the moves O'Brien made just this past season and with the um, giving Watson his extension that also limits some of the signs they can have, I think there's a lot of holes there on that team. And I'm not sure exactly what they're going to do. We're just watching how they play. They don't really seem to have much of an identity. They had a little bit more of that when they had a guy like Deandre Hopkins. And you understand their schedule is brutal. Like They started with the Chiefs, Ravens, and Steelers, and even the Vikings, who I think are a much, better, they're a much better team than the record shows. So I don't think it's all hope is lost, but I do think you, you might consider trading a guy like Deshaun Watson just because you can acquire a haul for picks, and there's just not much value in having a win-now quarterback when your team isn't in a win-now mode. I think you wait to see how they finish the year, but you could get a lot of picks from that, and it would make it a lot easier to rebuild because you're not on the clock, because you do have to really try to get things together really fast because you know. Watson's only there for he only's on the contract for the next few years and if they don't rebuild around him the way that that helps him then I could see him wanting to get out there and not play not play in Houston anymore anyway and another story that's this has kind of come out in the last day or so. Uh, Jets are shopping Le'Veon Bell. I don't think this is huge news to anyone. I think we've understood from the start that was always a weird pairing, uh, Le'Veon and New York, not just because Adam Gase didn't really like him, but just because running back, the running back position depends a lot on the offensive line. And you hear the saying system quarterback a lot, and there are a lot of those. But Le'Veon feels like kind of a little bit of a system running back. And I know that might sound weird to people, but Maybe on the one adjective that is used all the time to describe his running style is patient. He's a patient runner. And what that means is he will wait, you know, he'll sit behind his line and he'll wait for the holes to develop, and then he'll go through them. But it worked in Pittsburgh because he had it, it was very good in Pittsburgh because they had a good enough offensive line that would eventually create those holes in New York that hasn't worked because he's waiting for holes to open up behind an offensive line that has just not been able to open holes for him. And Le'Veon's not an overly fast guy. He's not a guy who's just going to truck anyone. He's not super strong. He's a guy who's elusive can get maybe one guy to miss in space and is good has great ball carrier vision great football IQ and it's just difficult to utilize those things when there aren't really holes for him and so I think he does need to be in the right place I don't know if he goes back to Pittsburgh I actually have seen some stuff that's talked about the Steelers trying to get him just because of who he is as a pass catcher I think Chicago wouldn't be a terrible fit because losing they lost treat Cohen for the year and David Montgomery's fine but I think Le'Veon could also be a good addition His base salary is $8.5 this year, so it's nothing too crazy. A lot of the money is part of the signing bonus that the Jets gave him, so it's not a ridiculous amount or anything. Uh, So there's some teams like that. Even the Cardinals, Kenyon Drake hasn't been as good as people maybe thought he would be this year, Uh, but it'll be interesting to see where he goes. And the Jets, I think they're in a situation where, first off, how bad Le'Veon's played and also where the Jets are as an organization where everyone knows they want to get rid of Le'Veon and they're just kind of a mess to begin with. I could see them, I could see a team requiring Le'Veon for like a third or a fourth. Maybe, you know, I don't know. A fifth is probably a little bit of a stretch, but I don't think there's too much of an asking price. And for a guy as talented as him, even if he is 28, the talent is there. I think you just need to go to a team that has a good enough offensive line. And so that kind of wraps up. Some of the big stories go as we enter week six here. It's been a pretty interesting season, definitely because of some of the circumstances. We're starting to see some fans be allowed in stadiums. I'm going to try to get some friends on here next week so it's not just me rambling for 15 minutes, but that pretty much caps off what's going on right now.